Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scuffins Podcast Radio Show coming to you on this Sunday post our advanced Metcon face melting workout here. So if I do cough intermittently, I apologize, but uh, pretty rough row, bike, and ski ascending pattern today that really did a number on me. But uh, I'm going to fight through it here to get you guys this episode because it matters. And uh, I've had a crazy busy week prior, so I didn't get you guys an episode earlier. And obviously with the holidays coming up here, it's going to be a little bit hit or miss. But my homie Travis Merritt had put this out. Um, And we're talking about overeating uh, or why you can't stop eating or why you can't stop overeating, however you you choose to think about it and phrase it. And I'm going to dig into all the reasons here uh, based on everything he shared with me on genes, on family, on your emotions, uh, self-image issues, why you find people always dieting and kind of doing the yo-yo roller coaster thing. And before I kick this off, I need to say this. I have empathy for everybody out there who has a problem with uh, food and food addiction and eating things and, and overeating and binging and you know kind of trying to find the holy grail and system that works for them because I'm an overeater by nature. Uh, if you listen to me for any amount of time, uh, my wife as well, we're naturally overeaters. We're naturally deep down, you know, fat kids. Um, I understand how easy it is to wander into being overweight. The same way I have empathy for people who wander into being debt, you know, in debt and wander into, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and all the other stuff that we kind of feed into in society. Before I even say anything else, I think you have to understand this will be outside of the, the topic of today, but these food companies aren't stupid, right? Like they're employing really smart people to advertise to you, to sell to you, to test their products, um, how they taste, what they look like, you know, things like chip thickness alone. Uh, these companies are spending millions of dollars on to understand every time you sit down, do you eat, you know, 14 chips? Do you eat 27 chips? I think the average consumer is confused. Like when you just see something, well, that's why you grabbed it. No, there's 19 reasons why you grabbed it. Um, obviously, you know, price is a factor, flavor is a factor, color is a factor, uh, aisle placement is a factor. There's a lot of things that go into marketing you to buy food. It is a multi-billion, billion-dollar industry, and for most people, next to probably their home and their car, it's the next biggest expense they have. And for somebody like me, it actually is probably the biggest expense I have outside of my normal bills because I'm not a huge fan of acquiring debt. So um, the cards are stacked against people. So that's obviously why we exist as a business and a company. And again, I do have the utmost empathy for it. I could overeat on damn near everything. That's not real food. I think. The key is for a lot of these conversations, we self-regulate on eating real food. Now, there is people who can become overweight, I suppose, by eating, you know, too many carrots and apples and bananas. I've never met them. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's probably not likely. I've never found myself, you know, binging on apples. I never sat down and ate seven apples in a row. I've never sat down and ate, you know, six bananas in a row. I have sat down and crushed a whole sleeve of Girl Scout cookies and not even blinked. I have smashed a whole bag of Doritos for sure. Um, I'm trying to think how many, like the max number of Power Crunch bars I've ever ate in a row. I'd probably say it's probably five. Uh, we're talking, you know, rock bottom moments of life here. Uh, but I've ate over eight on all those things. There, there's probably a time where I ate a whole bag of Oreos or easily crushed two pizzas and ate a whole pint of Ben and Jerry's. But again, I've never overeaten on asparagus. 
I've never overeaten on Brussels sprouts. Do you see where I'm going with this? Uh, we tend to go crazy on the processed things that have been manufactured to trigger our brains and the amount of sugar and fat that floods in. A lot of work goes into that. So I do feel for you guys. Even yesterday, we were at a, a Friendsgiving for uh, some buddies of ours, and uh, I didn't feel well. Uh, admittedly, was just super tired. My stomach was bothering me, so I, I just drank a water and coffee and didn't end up eating, which you know probably probably saved me in the long run for the fact of I like all the the same Thanksgiving food and treats that everybody else does. And I do. I will say this: people commend me, say, "Jeremy, you have so much self control. You keep everything in check. You know how do you do it?" I have created an ecosystem and a life here where I don't really have to go anywhere or do anything or say anything or be anywhere I don't want to be. So I control my environment probably 98% of the time. The 2% I'm outside of it, I do struggle admittedly, but for the rest of it, I'm really good at not buying things at the store. Now, if it's at my house, even that I'm pretty good at home. If we have stuff that people bring over, that's not opened. I'm okay with it. But once things are open in our house, if you open the box of cookies, if you open the bag of chips, it's a dangerous game, my friend. Uh, all bets are off uh, when that happens around me because I'm a finisher. I like to call myself. I'm the Terminator. I was sent back in time to kill John Connor and eat every cookie in the house and eat every Dorito that's there. That's what I would do. So that's, you know, when people say, Jeremy, you have self-control. I do in the context of I don't buy 50 cookies at the store. I'll buy two cookies and I'll overpay for the two because then that way I only eat two. I'm not going to eat all 50. That's the game is putting yourself in a position to, you know, be successful. And uh, for a lot of you, I guess that's where the conversation starts. So in terms of we talk about overeating, and again, I'm very good. If, and again, that's why fasting works for me because it's the easiest thing in the world. You do nothing. You don't eat. It's brainless. You just go about your day. When the eating starts for me, it's like an avalanche, man. When I have like, and you know what I'm talking, when I say these cookies, right, you know the cookies I'm talking about when you go to like, you know, depending where you live in the country, uh, Safeway or Fry's or uh, Hy-Vee or I'm going to locate myself here, like uh, Cub Foods or these certain places, even like a, like a Bash's, Albertson's, uh, Ralph's, if you will, they have those like little sugar cookies. Now, they're about three bucks for a little box. They come in a set of 12. They usually are like with the pink frosting or blue frosting, and now they have the harvest ones. There's like the orangish frosting. I don't know what they put in those things, but man, I imagine that's about as close to crack as you can get. I mean, you, you don't even have to bite the cookies. It's like getting a, a warm Krispy Kreme off the conveyor belt. It like melts in your mouth. You don't even have to chew it. And then it just sends this rush of like drugs to your brain that makes you want to eat and eat and eat. I could eat 12 of those in probably two minutes easily and not even think about it. So point being is I don't buy things like that and put them in my house because once they're there, nothing good is going to happen. And though that's why I say that's part of the reason why we tend to overeat. But for you listening to me, why is it that you guys overeat? Why is it that you can't stop eating? That no matter what, no matter how full you tend to be or, you know, full, whether you're full or not full, and for whatever reason, you can't seem to keep food out of your mouth. Maybe you're, you know, a person who binges you know, on the weekends, or you're a person who just habitually snacks all the time, or you go long periods without eating, and you find yourself at the point of no return, and you're just, you know, really, you know, willing to, to bite your own hand off because you're that starving. And maybe you can relate to this. It's 8 p.m., you're starving. Like, you're beyond the point of hunger. You're the point of work now. You would basically, you know, 
eat dog shit off the floor if they sprinkled some cinnamon on it. I mean, that's how hungry you are, right? You're borderline hangry, or you are hangry, which for you listening, that's the combination of being hungry and angry together, which I rarely reach that point, but when I do, I get very short and I need to eat quickly or bad things are going to happen to everybody around me. I think we've all been there. And you go into your pantry, and if you guys who have kids or you keep certain things in the house, and you grab some cereal or some fruit snacks or some goldfish, and you sit down on the couch and you start shoveling, you know, food into your face in between breathing, or some of you just come quit breathing altogether, and it's just literally how do we inhale this food as fast as possible until about 30 minutes later, you sit there and you realize you ate half the bag or the entire bag of your kids' cookies or your kids' goldfish or their cereal or their fruit snacks, and you're pissed at yourself, and you're looking at yourself and saying, why the fuck did I do that? You have this, you know, eater's remorse, if you will. Now, that's something I don't uh, really suffer from at this point. If I make a conscious decision to tank it, I know that's what I'm doing and that's no, that's why it's going to happen. Uh, but for a lot of you out there, you've planned to be perfect on a Wednesday and you went off the rails or you plan not to drink until Friday and it was Thursday and you got stressed and you had a couple too many drinks and now you have eater's remorse or drinker's remorse. And you're like, well, why did I do that? Well, I'm going to share, you know, some of the common reasons why people do this and what you can probably do about it to maybe kick the habits, or at least be more mindful of the habit. So when it is starting to happen, or you can maybe safeguard yourself before it happens to get out of it, you know, before all the damage is done. So right off the bat, there are genes present in the body that can influence people uh, to eat more or, you know, realize they're full or not full. Now, these genes can influence the circuits in the brain that control appetite and the feeling of fullness you know, from a meal, in addition to the mood you get from the actual food you eat, if that makes sense, if you're following me. So yes, food can, and in many cases, does affect your mood. But that's a, it'll be a different podcast altogether, a different topic. But if you have these genes like in your body, they can make you, you know, overeat um, in a more, you know, kind of common situation. And so understanding this, like depending on, you know, your sleep quality obviously matters. I, I tend to, when I get less sleep, you know, your cortisol can go crazy when you are stressed. That becomes a trigger for a lot of people. Um, so know that sometimes it is like a genetic, you know, predisposition, depending on, you know, how you are as a human, but the environmental factors that are controlling your genes, like if you're, if you're sleeping a lot or not sleeping enough, if you're stressed or if you're not stressed, um, genetically, you know, who you are and what you're, you know, I guess, you know, pre-exposed to. Now, that's not a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't give you a pass to, you know, go crazy and not stop eating. It just means some of you out there listening are more prone to do it. But you do still have a certain level of self-control. Only you control what you put in your mouth and what you drink. Nobody else does that. But I will say this. I'm an overeater by nature. Uh, my buddy Dave, who was in fitness with me for a very long time, Dave was the guy who could go to Chipotle and eat half his burrito and put it in the fridge. Dave is the guy who could get four sprinkles cupcakes and eat half a cupcake. And you come back the next day and he still has three cupcakes and a half. Dave is also the guy who could open up, you know, a Diet Coke, drink half of it and put it in the fridge and save it for later. Now me, I would crush the burrito from Chipotle. I'd eat all four cupcakes and I'd probably crush three Diet Cokes. That's the person I am. So I believe genetically I am 
more inclined to do that, and he is more inclined to be that person. Now, you, we have all these different kinds of people. It's almost like the friend you have who's naturally just leaner because it's their genetics. You kind of secretly hate them. I secretly hate Dave because he can eat half a fucking cupcake, and I have to crush four. So just know some of you, you have this you know, gene that kind of communicates to your body. And again, I think for a lot of us, it's it's when I don't get enough sleep, I tend to be hungrier so much faster and so much more often during that day. I notice if I'm on vacation um, and I don't have to wake up quite as early, even if I woke up at, let's say, 5 a.m. as opposed to 3.50 in the morning, that's a huge difference. If I get seven hours of sleep versus five hours of sleep, that's a huge difference as well. So again, when your hormones, you know, aren't communicating correctly, um, bad things tend to happen for a lot of people. And some of you, I think genetically, you're just pre-exposed to be a certain way as opposed to some of your other friends. Next one, your family and your upbringing. If you grew up in a household where food was the center point of your family's life, your family's day, then this could be a starting point for you of why you tend to overeat. If you grew up and you watch your family eat and overeat consistently, mom, dad, brother, sister, grandma, grandpa, cousins, aunts, uncles, that's probably part of the game. Um, you probably think that it's a common thing or you're just not aware there's another way to live your life. Um, I grew up in the Midwest and always would be the phrase of, you know, finish everything on your plate. Not at my house necessarily. We didn't, weren't really big on the family dinner time just because our family dynamic was different. And we'd eat together, you know, once in a while. But at other friends' house, like finish everything on your plate or you don't get dessert. Finish everything on your plate because, you know, there's kids starving in Africa. And I'm like, it never made any sense to me. I'm 12 years old. I'm like, well, the kids in Africa can't eat the food that we're making in Minnesota. So that doesn't make any sense anyway. And I understand like we are fortunate enough to have abundance of food and they're not. I get it in the context, but I wasn't like I was going to shift, you know, ship them this disgusting ass spinach lasagna you're making me. So I don't want to eat it. But that's the culture we grew up in, you know, clean your plate, eat everything that's there. It's a gift that you have it. And so for some of us, that becomes ingrained in us at a very young age. And we just watch our parents do it. Our friends do it. When we go to their house, that's what their family does. And so you just kind of fall in line, you know, so you don't want to be the odd person out. But have you ever heard of the saying, you are the average of the five people you associate with the most? I believe that to be true in all things in life. I believe that to be true for the way that you eat and you drink and you live your life and you spend your time, effort, energy, and your money. Meaning that likeness attracts likeness. And you will tend to adopt the habits, behaviors, and patterns of those people closest to you. You do it especially when you're younger. And you do it with your parents. That becomes part of your five people. And I think you adopt those eating habits and drinking habits. And even if... Your parents tell you not to do something. The phrase we share a lot is more is caught than taught. Kids are going to catch adults doing way more things than they're taught overall. Well, dad smokes, dad drinks, dad eats ice cream, dad eats like shit, dad talks this way. So you start to do what mom does. You start to do what dad does. You start to do what the people closest to you do. That's learned behavior. Follow me, everybody? Now, I'm not going to blame you know, your mom and dad for it. In many cases, your parents were doing the best that they could with what they had in the moment. And they did the best with their education and their knowledge. If you're like me, your parents didn't grow up with the internet. They knew what they knew from their parents or from their friends. Um, they're humans, you know, they're, 
They make errors just like we do. Um, cut them some slack. They got through fucking life without Google. They're doing a lot better than, than most of you are. <laughs> On a side note, but I'll say this. In how I grew up, it wasn't necessarily the overeating. It was being exposed to all the processed shit because I grew up on all the stuff a lot of you who are my age grew up on. Uh, on to, you know, we, you know, in school, we would do this thing called Book It. I don't know if this exists everywhere, but Book It would be like you would read a book a month um, and then you'd get this little certificate for a personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. And I was always super jacked about it because A, I love pizza and I did love Pizza Hut because they also had Ninja Turtles, the arcade game, which was awesome. But I go to Pizza Hut and get my little mini pan pizza because my family was broke and typically we would never go to Pizza Hut and do it. Um, so that was the culture that like we grew up in the school. So like you got this reward of these treats, but I also in my house would be like tombstone pizza. Like if you guys remember tombstone pizza or the Schwann's guy, if we had some money, the Schwann's guy would come up. My dad would buy like some push ups or some Sunday cones. Um, for us to have. And also the, the same cheap process stuff. All you guys did. I grew up on Dunkaroos, Teddy Grahams, Fruit by the Foot, uh, Fruit Roll-Ups, Doritos, Funyuns, um, you know, Beef Stew, uh, Dinty Moore, if I'm going to be specific. So that's the shit that I grew up on. Everything is basically in a can or a bag or a box. Not that my family would never, you know, cook real stuff, but hey, what kind of 12 year old is going to turn down, you know, Teddy Grahams and Tombstone Pizza and Grilled Cheese to eat, you know, asparagus and salmon, which first of all, in the Midwest, really, it's not really how we were rolling. So that is learned behavior from parents. And again, I'm not blaming them, but that's what I grew up on. So I don't think there's a day in my life that will go by where it's like, ah, Velveeta mac and cheese sounds good. I could probably crush that. I could probably crush some cinnamon rolls. I'll probably always like Doritos. I'll probably always like Mountain Dew. I'll probably always like a Tombstone Pizza if you made it. Now, I've been to Italy, and the pizza there is way better than the shit that I used to eat as a kid, but because I have this nostalgic memory of it, and I guess maybe how it made me feel, or or doing it with my friends, and, you know, drinking a Pepsi, you know, and eating some Bugles, like, that's, you know, what I remember. So, it's ingrained in us at a young age. So, some of you, you might struggle from that. But also, uh, emotional eating is a real thing for a lot of you out there. And as a coach, that's one of the most common things I see in people. They emotionally eat, they emotionally drink, sometimes to hide, sometimes to escape, sometimes to de-stress because they, in the moment, it makes them feel better. Even though in reality, it's digging the hole probably 10 feet deeper and it's really just masking the pain that they're in. In the moment, I understand the euphoric feeling you get from having a buzz, whether it be a sugar high or a drug high or an alcohol high. I've had them all. I've been high on drugs, I've been, you know, under the influence of alcohol and food as well. And uh, I know it's real. Uh, I felt it many times and I get that's the easier option up front. Um, And a lot of people are eating to treat some emotional triggers or they're eating because of emotional triggers to heal something. And again, this can be, you know, both good emotions and bad emotions. In America, we celebrate everything with food and booze. In America, we medicate ourselves with food and booze. And so whether you're having a really good day or a really shitty day, you're treating it the same way. The problem is it's causing you way more pain on the back end. And if you guys are down and having a shit day, you might seek food to bring you you know, back up and make you feel better. Um, you guys have all heard the term comfort food. Where do you think that comes from? Like It's a real thing. And again, so... Also, if you guys are celebrating, friends, family, hey, we just closed this deal. Hey, you just got married. Hey, you know, it's our anniversary. Hey, it's the 4th of July. 
you're probably, you know, celebrating with food or booze. And a side note, if you haven't seen it, there's an old documentary called, you know, Supersize Me. Uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Melvin Spurlock uh, put it together. He talks about this and how, you know, some foods and some companies, you know, will use specific ingredients that correlate with making you feel good when you eat their food. And that's why I say these companies are not stupid. I think people just blindly just, or just think they're making choices. They don't understand that. Uh, these companies know way more about you and your life and what you're doing than probably you even do. I know people think the internet is free. Google and Facebook and Instagram are the biggest you know, data mining machines that have ever existed. They're gathering information about you at scale far beyond you can even imagine. If I can sit here, I'm just a dude, you guys. I'm just a dude who runs some small companies, all kind of you know revolving around health and fitness and life coaching, and I know when you open up our emails. I know how often you click on stuff. I know what you're reading, what you're seeing, what you like, what you don't like, what you click on, what you unsubscribe to, what you subscribe to. I can see it on my end. I'm just a dude in a warehouse in Scottsdale. You imagine what Pepsi can see? You imagine what Coca-Cola can see? You imagine what General Mills can see you guys doing and understanding about you and your avatar and who you are? Just think about that. I think a lot of people think they're just making blind choices and you're not. But I'm not trying to get off topic here, but realizing that a lot of you guys are treating emotional conditions, whether it be good emotions or bad emotions, with food. And you're treating them, you know, similar to medicine, if you will. Um, And to treat something with food that wasn't intended to be treated with food is a slippery slope. And again, this we can go on a serious note here. I've had people in our coaching groups, in our 47-day group specifically, who have shared with us in a public forum and in private that they used to get sexually abused uh, as a kid. And one of their coping mechanisms was to eat. And not just because the food was an escape for them, made them feel better. They thought if they kept eating and gained weight, they'd be undesirable to the predator who was taking advantage of them. And they would gain 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds, 50 pounds. And yet the sexual abuse would still go on. And then, then they find themselves, you know, 80 pounds overweight, even though the abuse has stopped now because they're older, they still have those eating patterns solidified in their body and they have the excess weight from all that abuse that was there. So the food that was meant to treat a problem has now become a crutch for them to get through a, the emotions of that and because it still makes them feel better in the moment. So I do have empathy for people out there with the emotional eating triggers and I've been guilty of it too. You have a shitty day. Oh, Hey man, let's get high. You have a shitty day. Hey man, let's get fucked up. You have a shitty day. Hey man, let's, you know, eat pizza and eat cinnamon rolls because it make us feel better. And I get that. And once in a great while, it's fine. I would urge you to not treat bad moods with it. I would urge you to do it for only celebrations and make the celebrations worth it. If you're having a bad day, if you can, and again, if you've been through any kind of 12-step program, understanding addiction is a thing. Replacing a pattern with a new pattern would probably be, be ideal. The problem with food is you have to eat at some point. And so emotional issues for a lot of you is the thing out there. But having a bad day and drinking four glasses of wine probably not the best thing. Having a bad day, hopping on the assault bike, ripping some cows, getting your endorphins up, that might be it. If you can replace activity and exercise or something else with what you used to do, that would be the game. The other thing for a lot of you is self-image. Body dysmorphia, how we view ourselves for better or for worse. All of us are, you know, for most of us are, some of us are crazy. Uh, You meet mostly dudes. I think women are way harder on themselves than guys, although guys are critical as well. I think dudes 
more often than not think they look better than they do. And I think women tend to think they look worse than they do. Women, and again, I'm generalizing here, but a lot of women are their own worst enemy. I meet so many women who come in here, they're, they're beautiful, they're in great shape, regardless of age or body type, but they look awesome and they just, they pick themselves apart. They're, they're literally, they're their worst critic and a self-image issue they have is real. And there's guys that do it too, but I just think some dudes are like, well, I look pretty good. Dude's 70 pounds overweight, has no hair and has terrible skin, but he thinks he looks like Brad Pitt in Troy. Uh, newsflash, Roger, you don't look like Brad Pitt in Troy. None of us do, but I digress. I think self-image is, is a big issue why people you know, can't stop overeating. And because I think, you know, a lot of people out there will always, you know, they've always been the fat person in the group. They've always been the bigger friend. They've always been the friend that's not naturally skinny. And, you know, when you've always been that person, if you no longer are fitting into that bill, you start to lose, you know, the identity you created for yourself. A lot of people believe that I'll always be fat. I'll always be big. I'll always be out of shape. I'll always be insert the blank. It's the story that they've told themselves for X amount of time. And if they're not that, who are they? So some people hold on to it or they just accept it as like, well, I've always been bigger. My mom was bigger. My dad is bigger. I just have to be. There's nothing I can do to change it. And I don't believe that's true for one. I think you can be any body fat you choose to be. Some people easier than harder. I'm not saying everybody can have a, you know, wear a size two dress or have 50 inch shoulders if you're a dude, but you can be the best version of you for you can be. And sometimes we see people that lose, you know, a ton of weight. Um, that's, you know, taken years to do. Um, and then they, obviously at that point, they don't identify as being the fat person anymore. Um, some people that we meet, they don't feel like they deserve to be fit. They don't, you know, feel like they deserve to be quote unquote skinny. No, I hate the fucking word skinny. I think it's stupid. I would go with lean or low body fat or being a fit person. But I think some people feel like they can't acquire it and they can't do it because of genetics or, you know, their schedule or because they feel like they really don't deserve it. And they feel, you know, I guess ashamed or have been shamed for even wanting to look that way. Um, so they overeat and they keep overeating to combat like the negative emotions. And I know this sounds crazy, but fit shaming is a thing. Like some, you know, there's a guy here, uh, Steve Resnick. He's uh, he lost like a hundred pounds since we've met him in about a year. He's lost about a hundred pounds. A diligent eating. Um, dude looks like a different person. He's a dentist. And so, uh, people will show up and his patients will think he has cancer and that he's dying. And now they'll, now they'll make comments to him. And, and again, sometimes it's, it's, uh, half joking, half serious. Uh, but the dude looks great. The best he's ever looked probably in his whole life. And he's in his mid forties. And, uh, people will say, Oh, are you going to keep losing weight? You know, you look sick. You look this, like the dude's lost a hundred pounds. Obviously his face fell off. Like he lost a fucking human. And he's the fittest he's ever been, and he wants to even be leaner and still keep making improvements as he gets into his 50s and 60s and so on, which I believe he totally can. The dude is type A. Obviously, if you're if you're a dentist and you went to school the longest anybody's ever went to school, you can get in shape. Like, this is not as hard as doing that shit. But it takes a certain level of diligence and focus. And I think a lot of people will say to him, oh, you shouldn't lose any more weight. Like, first of all, when the dude was 100 pounds overweight, nobody said shit about how he looked. Nobody said anything to him about what his weight was because it was okay. But now that he's fit, we're going to judge. We're going to almost tell him he, what he can and can't do, that he can't be fitter. You have to understand that, A, people don't want your criticism. And if they do, they're asking for constructive criticism. They're not asking you to judge their body and what you look like. 
And I think the self-image part of it is huge too. People think, well, if I get this, people will say this or do this. People are going to judge you regardless, you guys. Um, so pay them no mind. And, and don't feel like you have to fit into a box. If you've always been the fat person, you don't have to be. If you've always been the unhealthy friend, you don't have to be. And yeah, you can appreciate your body for where it is today, but there's nothing wrong with working on it to try to improve it. If it's going to make you look better, move better, and feel better, and if it's going to raise your level of self-confidence and allow you to have a better life and, and feel better about who you are in your own skin when you walk around. I say it all the time. I can sit in a room with anybody um, because I don't judge the success of my life based on what other people judge it on. I don't have a problem sitting in a room with dudes who are all billionaires. Now, I make money here, um, but just a newsflash, I'm not a billionaire with a B. I don't have a billion dollars. I'm not Mark Cuban. I'm not Bill Gates. You know, I'm a normal dude who does well doing what he likes to do. <clears throat> but I have no problem sitting in a room with those guys because I've acquired something that they don't. I am in a certain level of condition. I feel like I can kick the shit out of the world because of my physical body, how it moves, how it feels, and I also happen to like the way that it looks. There's a power that comes with that that you can't let people try to deter you from. Feeling confident in your own skin, which I believe very, very, very few people do, gives you like this almost superhero-like feeling and power where I would assume a person who has a billion dollars feels similar. They've acquired a certain level of wealth where they feel like they have power they can yield over the world, which they do. We live in a financial, economical society. But I also believe super fit people feel that way too. You feel like you can kick the shit out of life because you have energy and you have a confidence in the way that you walk and you just, you feel good. And there's power that comes with that. So don't let anybody tell you, you have to fit into a certain box. It's up to you guys, you know, to choose to look the way you want to look. And I think a lot of people tend to shy away from that when they get to a certain point. So sorry to get off topic for a second. The next person, the people who are always dieting, this leads to overeating probably more than anything else. You're on the forever diet. You spend more time dieting than you do living your life. You spend more time jumping from diet to diet than you do just trying to find a lifestyle of eating. These diets can vary you know, from one extreme to the other, which can lead to many forms of starving and binging, starving and binging. I'm keto, I'm paleo, I'm vegan, I'm carnivore, I'm gluten-free today, I'm carb backloading here, I'm doing the whole 30, now I'm intermittent fasting, now I'm doing nightshade diets, now I'm doing snake oil bullshit, fill in the blank, uh, you name it, we've heard it. You can't just go from diet to diet to diet. You can try things for context to see if they work, but typically the people who crash diet lose 12 pounds here, gain 15 pounds back here. Those people tend to overeat the worst. Commonly, these are people who feel so guilty about not you know, being at their goal weight or not hitting their quote-unquote goal weight. They'll punish themselves you know, by over-exercising and withholding food, or they'll overeat one day and then binge the next three days, and they'll repeat the cycle. I've talked about this before in a podcast. Being at a calorie deficit for three days of 300 calories really doesn't matter if on day four you binge eat by 2,000 calories. That just put every day into a calorie surplus, and you're never going to be healthy that way. And it's it's a terrible psychological way to live your life and play those games. Like, okay, I'm going to starve myself for four days so I can eat like shit on the fifth day. Again, I'm not telling you what to do. I typically have a day of the week where I, you know, go crazy. Well, 
<clears throat> let me correct that. I typically have two meals per week I eat that are not ideal, that are not in macro ranges. Some weeks it's one meal, some weeks it's two. Typically it's paired with exercise, but again, I don't starve myself on the other days. I don't track every single macro. I don't weigh and measure my food. I eat real food 90% of the time. I eat till I'm full and I try not to be an idiot about it. And again, I'm eating twice a day, so I pretty much know what the macros are and they have them within range. But if I go too long, even me, and sometimes I fast for 24 hours, a lot, at this point in life, that's probably the longest I fast for. Sometimes it's longer. Uh, and you know, maybe once or twice a week, I'll do a 24-hour fast. Well, I'll eat on a Friday night at 6 o'clock, and then I might not eat until Saturday at 6 o'clock just because I'm busy, I'm moving, I'm doing stuff, and it just, it's, it's brainless for me. I get a lot of stuff done. I don't even think about it until I realize, holy crap, I'm hungry, and then I can go about it and do it. But I don't do it just to eat a bunch of trash. Now, I guess I can if that's when I choose to do my you know, enjoyment meal for the week. But I'm not going to do it on a Tuesday. I'm not going to wait so long till I'm starving and then I just binge on a bunch of stuff and then starve and binge. I don't think that's healthy for you guys, especially for you guys who are jumping diet to diet to diet. I find it leads to overeating more often than not. I feel you feel like you're restricted. It's when you're telling yourself you can't eat stuff. Then all of a sudden you want to have it so bad. If you go with the mindset of I can eat whatever I want, but I'm a grown ass adult, I'm choosing not to eat cookies on Tuesday. I'm choosing not to wake up and eat pancakes today. I'm choosing not to drink wine on a Wednesday. And then you pick and choose your spots and you delay the gratification for the weekend or a special event or happy hour with your friends or whatever you choose to do. But you're not just starving and binging and jumping from diet to diet to diet to see what does or doesn't work. You want to find something that's sustainable for a lifetime that easily fits into your day. So you don't find yourself overeating, you know, routinely throughout the week. Or the people who tend to eat perfect Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but Friday and Saturday they eat like complete garbage. I just shared this on Instagram the other day. I shared in all our coaching groups. Your goals matter just as much on Friday night and Saturday night as they do on Monday morning. Nothing has changed. We made up the days of the week. We made up the clocks and how time runs. Otherwise, life is just life. But yet, for some reason, you got off work and you need to unwind and you have seven beers and a whole pizza and three donuts. And then you wake up Saturday, you feel like garbage and you do the same thing. And then Sunday, hopefully you get back to normal life as you prep your food. Again, I'm not judging anybody, but if you're habitually doing that, you're probably not going to make a ton of progress because you are just literally unleashing you know, and eating like a complete clown for two full days. And again, what's different from Friday night till Monday morning? Your goals are the same. You had the same goal. You just flipped the narrative in your own brain. You created that story and you told it to yourself. Now, again, I'm not telling you you can't enjoy yourself, but just understand, do you have to go crazy every single weekend? The choice is yours. So now that you guys know kind of the breakdown of why we see a lot of people, you know, overeat, there's not one size that kind of fits all. And let's say you guys, you don't overeat for one of the reasons I mentioned, you overeat for something else. Again, it happens to everybody. There's nothing wrong with you if you do overeat um, and you go crazy. It doesn't mean that you're broken. It doesn't mean that it, you can't fix it and something that's wrong. Sometimes we just need to have an idea of what's going on so we know what actions we need to take. And what I want you guys to realize here is that each one of us um, 
there is something that is usually influencing us to overeat or make bad choices. But that's not a pass for you to just kind of eat whatever the hell you want and go crazy. It's just a reason. And it's something that you need to think about and kind of rationalize and understand why am I overeating? Why am I choosing to do this? Even though my goals are X, Y, and Z, why am I still doing the behavior that is not bringing me closer to my goals? Once you know the reason, the why behind your actions, you can start make better active decisions in the moment. And if you notice why you begin to do something, you can stop the pattern of actually doing it. And again, I say all the time, like the skill of eating is very simple. A two-year-old can do it. It grabs food, it puts it in its mouth. It's not rocket science. It's the decision. Selling yourself in the moment of why you should do something versus shouldn't do something. It's just like when you're a 16-year-old kid and you're hooking up with your girlfriend for the first time and you want to have sex so bad, you know you probably shouldn't do it. Um, you probably should put a condom on. You probably should ask if the girl's on birth control. But your hormones and your emotions are running rampant and you're selling yourself on the reason why you should just do it. Just the tip, just for a second, just to see how it feels. And you know that's only going to avalanche into a poor decision as the night goes on. It's the same thing you're doing now with cookies. It's the same thing you're doing with wine. The same 16-year-old kid who was doing it with sex, you're doing it at 45 with beer. You know you probably should just pass the beer out by, but if I just if I just have you know one beer, if I just have one, tends to lead to bad decisions down the road. So it's you guys selling yourself in the moment why I should do something versus I shouldn't do something. We've been doing these habits and patterns our entire lives. We know right and wrong. We know what's good for us. We know what's bad for us. And sometimes it's okay to give in to your inhibitions. But you just like the 16-year-old boy, you got to be willing to live with the consequences down the line. And if you routinely choose the wrong decision over and over and over, eventually you're going to have to pay the price. And something less than ideal and positive is probably going to happen. And that all starts with some form of self-control, of self-discipline, and holding a promise to yourself. And for once in your fucking life, just mean what you say and do what you say and follow through for something. And you have to realize like what you're doing and make an active decision to stop and do something else. You know, take the road less traveled, pass the cookies and just keep on rolling. Pass up happy hour, stack up little wins as time goes on. And the more little wins you can do, the more times you can say yes to exercise and no to happy hour or yes to mobility and no to the sweets. You're going to build confidence. And just like the snowball effect happens of bad decisions, how you wander into debt, how you wander into being overweight, you can slowly build up confidence and a resolve to train your mental muscles to say no to things, to delay gratification for the future. And again, it's not going to be easy. Uh, it's still not as easy for me today as I thought it would be. But I really don't break or crack anymore like I did when I was 22, 23. Um, I don't give in. I just, I hold stern and I, and I have a mental toughness now that I didn't have at a younger age, but it took me failing, messing up and understanding, Hey man, when you do this, you eat this. When you go out to these places, you tend to drink this. When you have a bad day, you're doing this. Well, how can I stop that habit? How can I change the pattern that I'm stuck in? Cause life, you guys, 
is just patterns. It's how you wake up. It's how you go to the bathroom, how you brush your teeth. It's probably how you have sex with your wife and your husband. You have your patterns. You have your couple go-to moves. You have your foreplay. You have your positions and stuff, and that's what you do. The only way you can mix things up is if you actually mix things up. you got to break the pattern, break the cycle, break the habit. And again, nobody said you have to do it alone. So if you feel like you need help with this, you know, or somebody to help guide you on the journey or seeking help from a coach. Again, even I do, it, it, it helps me, you know, you know, even this podcast helps me, you know, bring to light. Okay, here's the things that I can change. Um, if we can be the voice for you, we're happy to do it. Uh, obviously, we offer a million programs or listening to me just ramble on about it or how to talk about it or get a friend, find a mentor or even a professional like us or somebody local to you to help you you know, kind of break the ritual and routine that's causing you to overeat and, you know, not get past the plateau you're currently in. All those are great options for you. And again, no way am I saying it's going to be easy to do. Even with professional guidance and accountability in a group and a community, it will take work. Eating right and stopping overeating and stopping over drinking and doing these things takes a Herculean effort and it takes you selling yourself on the right choice day after day after day. You're not going to win every battle for sure, but you don't have to. You just have to win the majority of the battles. But it's that self-control, you guys. It's a muscle. Self-control and discipline is a muscle. And the more often it's worked, the stronger it will become and the better you'll be at making those choices day after day after day over time. But you have to... At least try to work the muscles. You can't just sit on your couch and say, you know, I wish I would do some push-ups and hope your chest gets bigger. You actually have to do the fucking push-ups to make your chest get bigger. You can't just sit in your office chair and say, man, you know what? I really should start squatting to build my glutes and hamstrings and quads up and hope they grow. Nope. You got to actually get up off your office chair and do the squats to build your glutes, your hamstrings, and your quads. It's the same thing with the food and the drinking, you guys. Self-control is a muscle. And the more often you work it, and the more wins you stack up, the more confidence you'll get, the stronger you'll be mentally, which the byproduct is the stronger and the more confidence you will have physically, spiritually, and mentally, and emotionally. And that is what the game is with fitness. You have to control all four pillars. And by doing that, you will learn to overeat way less. Now, you might always naturally be an overeater like myself, but when you start to control your environment... Your ecosystem, when you you know, stop putting yourself in a position to be unsuccessful, when you stop buying certain things and always going to certain places, and when you start to actually be mindful of what you're going to eat you know, the day before, when you go to a restaurant, if you research the menu, if you really just try to put yourself in the position to be successful over time, you're going to find yourself being successful. When you stop hanging out with people who binge drink, you tend to stop binge drinking. When you stop hanging out with people who never exercise, you tend to start exercising yourself. When you stop hanging out with people who always eat like trash and make poor choices, you will find yourself typically not eating like trash and not making poor choices. So hopefully that helped. Again, there's a lot of reasons why people overeat and what they do. And hopefully if I described you, you guys can find a way out of it. But it really starts with you just selling yourself and the reason why you give a shit. Like why you care about yourself enough to not make these choices. Why you care about yourself enough to live healthy and live happy and live in the best, most efficient body you possibly can. Because when you have 
a clear mind and a clear body of these things. You just, you feel better, you move better, you think better. Life in general is just a better, it's just better to live in. It, it just really is. That's why I harp on the health stuff so much. I know the power of food and I know what it does. And by taking basic things, by eating real food, fruits, veggies, micronutrients, you know, having kombucha, chia seeds, bone broth, athletic greens, whatever you're throwing into your day to feel better, you're more efficient, you're more productive, you're more clear, you're more inspired, you're more motivated, you're just an overall better person. When you're filling your body, I think the base starts with real food. That's why I always preach real food hustle because I believe it to be true. You tend to self-regulate eating real food way better than eating the processed shit. You just do. I'm not saying people don't overeat on asparagus and people don't overeat on carrots, but I really haven't ever met anybody where that's their biggest problem and that's the problem with their food log when I look at it. Oh, hey, Cindy, you ate too much broccoli today. That really wasn't the thing. So start with real food. Try to leave all the processed stuff behind or pick your spots with it. Make sure it's really worth it. Same thing for alcohol and everything in between. I think you guys will be successful. And identify what's causing you to make these choices. And the next time you're at the grocery store, stop, hear my voice when you're there and ask yourself, why am I grabbing this? Do I really need it today? Did I earn it? Do I really deserve it? Or do I have something coming up where I can just enjoy it there and I can, you know, for lack of a better term, suffer in silence on my own and delay the gratification of this until the weekend or until the next work event or until our Friendsgiving or Thanksgiving. If you if you're listening to this today, it's November the 24th. You guys got Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of days. So if nothing else, delay the gratification today, tomorrow, the next day and the next day, and then enjoy your Thanksgiving and go crazy, but make sure you wake up on black Friday and get a good workout in. And uh, don't let Thanksgiving turn into four days. Thanksgiving is one day. Enjoy it. Be gluttonous. Eat till you want to shit puke on the couch, fall asleep. I'm totally cool with it, but don't let it turn into four days, you guys. That's not what it's about. So, um, Anything else you guys want to hear on the podcast, feel free to shoot me a message. I do have an Instagram request up right now, so I think I will get plenty of Q&As from you guys on that. So I'll try to do that if I can tomorrow or possibly Wednesday. Um, get you a podcast episode there so you can listen to that. Um, but anything else, you know, feel free to holler at me. Outside of that, what do we have going on here? Um, Thanksgiving's coming up in a couple days. I'll be enjoying that here in Scottsdale. Um, but short of that, nothing else super complex. A couple projects and things coming around the way. Um, but I'll share that as we kind of get into them. So if you're on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Please, if you're on your iPhone, when you are done listening to this, just go to the podcast app, click Jeremy Scott Fitness, scroll all the way down, click five star, write in a comment. I truly love seeing it. And if you happen to be on your MacBook or your iPad, just click the iTunes app and do the same thing. It takes 20 seconds. And there are so many of you guys listening, which I truly do appreciate. You guys are the best. Thousands and thousands and thousands of you listening. And yet, not nearly as many of you are subscribed or have left comments or reviews, and I truly would appreciate it. And again, if you think this can help a friend or family member, please share it with them because overeating is an issue and it's causing people a lot of pain. And if this, you know, if I can share with one tip with them to help them get out of it, um, I'm happy to do so. Obviously, we make no money by you just sending it to them, so please do it. It's free information. Um, and we put these together to help you guys. I don't need to hear myself talk. I know all this stuff already. I fucked up plenty. Um, and I've, I've helped myself get out of it the best that I can. I know um, if you guys put the piece into play, it can help you too. So until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, 
Keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.